0: Welcome to the AWPT podcast, a safe space for personal trainers and coaches who want to learn, grow, and feel heard in the fitness industry. Each week, we'll bring you industry-relevant discussions on all things coaching, mindset, and professional development, empowering you with the tools to be a competent and confident coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the AWPT podcast. I am your host, Tara, and today I am joined by the amazing Emma Jane, who is a storytelling and marketing specialist. And today we're going to be talking all things storytelling and marketing, believe it or not. Um, And before we do, I thought, why don't we just get Emma to introduce herself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what you love, all that good stuff.
1: Thank you so much, Tara. Okay, firstly, I'm so excited to be here because I feel like the fact that we live really close to each other and we didn't really realize like only a couple (laughs) hours away is really cool to me. Yeah. Um, But to introduce myself. So yes, I'm Emma Jane. I am a copywriter, marketing, storytelling expert. It's a little bit of a long title, but I think what I do encompasses just so much more than just being a copywriter. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing that for over a year now professionally but I've always written.
0: Yeah amazing that's so good so in terms of your career background if you say you've only been doing the copywriting and whatnot for a year were you doing something else previously were you studying tell us a little bit about your life up until now when it comes to social media marketing all that good stuff. Definitely so I actually started my business as a virtual assistant Mm -hmm. and to
1: be honest with you when I kicked it off, it was like just after 2020 had happened, which was the beautiful year <laughs> that was. And I knew that I really wanted to help people with their writing. And I didn't think at that time copywriting was something that was possible for me. I, I thought you had to jump through a lot of hoops and go to ad school. So I started as a virtual assistant and I loved it. I mm. did that for probably, I would say, just under a year and then by the end of that all the clients that I had were saying well you're just a really good writer can we just have you for writing like that's what we want Um, which was really awesome so I decided to make the pivot I invested in some really great copywriting courses but to be honest my degree is actually in political science so very different degree lots of writing still yeah to be fair but yeah, very different degree. And some of the courses I've done were incredible. There's like in Australia specifically, there's some really cool copywriting houses, um, like Bossy Copy, like a shout out to them. They're just incredible. So there's really cool copywriters out there and I was able to learn from them. And then when I pivoted, yeah, the business took off and I was fortunate enough to work with some until today, really incredible business owners.
0: I love that. And I think that's, so common, like when you said that your degree was something completely different, but also not that different in the sense yeah. that all of the skills transfer. I know my degree is communication, so like PR journalism, that kind of stuff. And then I went down the fitness route for a couple of years, and then everything kind of circles back, and you use all of the same kind of skills, which I think is just a nice reminder that you're allowed to like change your mind and do different things and everything sort of like works out regardless.
1: I love hearing that too. I definitely agree with what you said about things working out regardless. Yeah. I know for me, I'm, I'm midway through a master's in media. Um, yeah. practice, And I haven't gone back to finish it yet because the business took off and I, I sort of was balancing yeah. a couple of things. Um, But it's really cool because what I, what I do there in that master's, so much of that is then informed by my business, which is informed by like my undergrad and all the other professional experience. So I think definitely to anyone listening, if you don't think what you're doing is relevant to maybe what you want to do one day, I, I definitely think, especially in 2023, you can weave things in and make them relevant. If you have the drive Uh to do it. 100%.
0: 100%. Well, I think like because this podcast is particularly directed at coaches and personal trainers and and all of that good stuff. Um, and in my experience, a lot of people don't go into that space directly, like straight out of school. It's often something that they've got a passion for, that they've done sort of on the side. And then they're like, actually, you know what? I love this a lot. Let's go down this route. And, yeah, you're so right that regardless of the different background that you come from when it comes to sort of working with people, whether it's, yeah, working with people and you've got experience in whether it's like hospitality or communications and you know how to like talk to people or HR or um, you've come from like a business background and so you then know how to run a business, everything sort of weaves together to make up, you know, the skills that you need to be a coach and then everything else you can either whether it's outsource or um, upskill um, and, you know, find a way to make it work. <laughs>
1: oh, absolutely. And it's funny, like I, I've i worked with so many fitness professionals too and mm-hmm. the stories of every single person in that industry are so different.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's a, some of my favourite people to work with are definitely people in the fitness industry because of that. I think they have a different perspective and lens on life a lot of them are different varying ages and it's just really incredible because I think to enter that industry you have to have a base level of passion because yeah in order to crack and get in yeah it takes hard work it takes to not be standing out
0: yeah definitely and also <laughs> I was saying to someone the other day the 4 30 or 5 a.m starts aren't worth it 100%. if you don't like what you do
1: 100 <laughs> and if that's why it doesn't surprise me that yeah. people that you see in the online space who are really, you know, mentally resilient, grit, maybe coaches in their own right in a different realm, like business coaches come yes. from a fitness background. Like it, do, it does not surprise me because if you're waking up at 4am to work with people and to be in a good mood, yeah, God, you were built for this. Like <laughs> my hat is off to you.
0: Yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about storytelling, copywriting, um, marketing strategies um, and go down that path for a little bit. Um, You obviously talk about being a storytelling expert when it comes to marketing. Have you noticed a trend or how did you go down that path of sort of storytelling rather than just like flat out selling or marketing um, and, you know, go down that route?
1: It's a great question. I would say for me, The reason storytelling was something that I found so interesting was because I know that in all of our lives storytelling is going to play a role and humans in general, we are natural born storytellers. And it's something that for hundreds of thousands of years we've connected over, we've created communities over and and it's honestly, I believe in our DNA. And so when I started delving more into the marketing side of things, which naturally came from copywriting because you start looking at analytics, you start looking at trends. I realized that as much as there is algorithms and, and data, and that is all very important, that at the core essence of the connections I was seeing between my clients and their audience and what they needed was connecting through stories. And especially for the service providers I work with, which is now all service providers that I work with, Um, fitness industry, coaches, designers, whatever they were, that point where their audience would really tap in and go, yep, I think you're the one for me. I want to work with you. I noticed the trend that normally it was when they were able to share a really beautiful, vulnerable, real, raw connection with them through stories. So I thought, okay, there's something to this. Mm. I started focusing on it more with my copywriting clients and the results were really powerful for them. And I just enjoyed it so much because, yeah. yeah, you get, I get to connect with them as well. I get to learn a different texture of who they
0: are. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit there, but why do you think that is that we love sort of stories so much and why do you think it's, yeah, so important from like whether it's a marketing perspective in terms of then eventually wanting to sell to people Or even if it's just uh, building the like connection and like, no trust between you and your clients.
1: So I'm going to use an analogy to answer that. And I
0: think
1: (laughs) the best analogy I can use is through music. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter who you like. If I was to say Taylor Swift, if I was to say like Blink-182, it doesn't matter because at the core of music is telling a story and I will, for this analogy, use Taylor Swift. It. It's very on brand for me. <laughs> very on brand for me also. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan and I'm going to own that 100%. Absolutely.
0: All the best people are. <laughs> Amazing.
1: Anyone listening to this, I'm just going to go with the beautiful assumption that you're Taylor Swift fans. So, <laughs> she has a song called All Too Well, very popular mm-hmm. song. And in that song, when you are listening, the visual imagery, the storytelling, the way that she has written the song takes you and transports you to that place. But the beautiful gift of it is that it's like a moment in time. She picks moments in time and that's what you connect to because you connect them to your own experience and you connect them to experiences that you relate to, that she's had and so forth. The reason that it is so powerful is because as humans, what we're constantly going to be craving is a way to see ourselves in someone else but at the same time a way to see someone and think you have something that I desire that I want to embody that I want to have so in the music analogy we see a lot of ourselves in Taylor we see a lot of our own experiences but sometimes you'll be listening to music and someone a good example could be I don't know Cardi B she could be rapping about something and you're like I want to embody that I want to set that persona. So you've already connected with her storytelling because she's showing you what a possibility is. Mm. You have all these different layers. And at the end of the day, when we meet up with our friends, when we're having dinner, what comes up is stories. So I think the reason storytelling is so important is because whether or not we're aware, we use it every day and we tell stories every single day. So when you become aware of it, you can almost tweak it and use it to your advantage I guess in in business because you're going to be telling stories regardless so you might as well make them effective and help you sell and make an impact to what you're doing
0: yeah I freaking love that analogy first of all any tail <laughs> analogy is a good analogy in my eyes um, especially all too well is like the classic 10 minute version like taking yeah. on that journey um <laughs> um But no, I 100% agree. And it's interesting that that even the two examples that you used in terms of connecting with someone and seeing yourself in someone else or having that more, I guess, like aspirational approach, I feel like, and I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this, potentially like pre-COVID and pre-lockdowns and stuff like that, there was definitely a bit more aspirational style marketing like even when it came to whether it was fitness influencers or um, celebrities or just like generic sort of ads and advertising it always leaned more towards here this is what you want to be in order to get to where you want to be you should buy this product or do this service or you know invest in me whereas I feel like potentially post lockdowns and post-COVID, there's definitely been a bit more of a trend towards, like, relatability and wanting people to see themselves in you and connect with you. And I'd be, yeah, interested to hear your thoughts on that.
1: What a good question. Oh, I love that. Because that's something that I've spoken to friends about. Mm. People in my life that also love analysing marketing trends. and Yeah. Yeah, so I... Firstly, I definitely agree. I think it has changed and and anyone who is in the online space, particularly consuming marketing, would have noticed that. My theory versus the general consensus, I would say for me, I really think pre-COVID we were in the height of if we're going to go down it, it was very like overconsumption. It was the Kardashians like coming out of the early 2000s. They were—they're just—we were coming out of like a period of recession in the early 2000s. So there, there was that period of overconsumption and sort of aspirational identities, which I guess if you look at it from a societal perspective, like people loved that because it gave them something to work towards. It gave them something to um, aspire to become. And the reason I think, in a marketing lens, that was really interesting is—is is because it worked really well. Yeah. until COVID hit and we weren't able to then access all those aspirational you know, outcomes from mm-hmm. that marketing. So we couldn't travel. We couldn't go to the store and try on the bag. We couldn't go to Sephora and buy the makeup physically. Everything we did was online. Mm-hmm. It was isolated. And it was really without that luxury aspirational identity Piece involved, yeah, and I think marketing throughout COVID and post COVID, the relatability thing has taken off because firstly TikTok came into play, and people people are so smart as consumers, and I know that that's said a lot, but I really think TikTok was such a cool example of how smart people are because you had suddenly this instant connection of people to those aspirational figures, whoever they might be, and they were going you don't see me. You don't yeah. see me. You actually, you're here. I'm here, but that screen feels real thick. Like <laughs> I am not, I'm not on the same page. Whereas these influencers or whoever creators coming out who were sharing their life, sharing the hardships of lockdown, whatever it might be and being relatable, it was like a breath of fresh air. And mm. so then all the user generated contents come out and now we have this whole mix of influencers and creators and all these people who are able to market things um and yeah it's a very interesting landscape to look at but I would almost say too now being relatable can be can be taken and used as a way to to market as well very intentionally so both both ways become very um intentional marketing
0: yeah 100% 100% that's so interesting I didn't even really think about it in terms of I guess the accessibility aspect of like the lockdowns and COVID and stuff like that and how that has an impact on the sort of aspirational content that people were trying to like push in market initially I think it's also interesting even in like from the and through the fitness sort of health and wellness lens um, I suppose pre- 2020, 2019, that was definitely more of a trend towards, again, sort of this aspirational content. You had like the influence sort of like Sarah's Day and like, you know, all of those people being like, oh, like train super hard, eat like this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And from a business lens, it was definitely more in the hustle culture, like grind it out, wake up at 5 a.m., do this, like 5.30 club. And then everything sort of stopped and people definitely Slowed down, and I think I don't know if it's a worldwide thing. You've also then got the Australian, I guess, culture of like tall poppy syndrome, and people don't necessarily like it when things when they feel like other people are like showing off. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: but it's interesting because then I think there was definitely a period of real sort of like raw and relatability, and I think TikTok had a big role to play in that where the content just became a lot rawer and more organic. And I think people really liked that. Um, Whereas obviously other platforms, you've got the like Instagram and the Pinterest, which are a little bit more like curated and aspirational, as we've said. Um, So, yeah, it's just interesting. And then figuring out as marketers and as business owners how to tailor your communication strategy and your marketing strategy to suit the different platforms but also you know stay true to who you are and the types of clients that you want as well like maybe you do want those more sort of like aspirational clients and then your marketing strategy goes that way or maybe you want the more gen pop kind of marketing approach and trying to figure out where you sit in the market as a business owner. Mm,
1: Absolutely it's interesting when you're when you were saying before about like having people were having to tailor their marketing you know when, mm. when we went through the lockdowns and when things changed, and particularly in the fitness industry and you know as a consumer of the fitness industry prior or be in it prior yeah. to, to 2020 and then post to now yeah I absolutely see that and I'm not sure how old are you I'm 22 you're 22 okay cool I'm Stop 23
0: things. that's such a lie <laughs>
1: You just No, it's Oh my god! <laughs> Sorry, I call myself twenty-seven sometimes, and then I'm like, "Why am I literally jumping a year ahead for myself?" Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm twenty-six, so I feel I feel like when I think back to pre-COVID fitness industry, definitely it was super aspirational, very much, um, very much separated from what the everyday girl was. And that in itself was beautiful because we were able to work towards something. But I really think like you probably would have never used Tumblr and things, but coming off the back of Tumblr and FitSpot, all of these things, when 2020 hit and suddenly you got this hit of like, actually, we're all working out from our houses. Actually, yeah. no one is on, you know, a private jet going to a fitness expo. Actually, we're all in the same boat.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, fuck. I have no I'm Sorry. Can I swear?
0: Yeah, oh, of course you can. <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs>
1: It was like, oh, wow, this is a completely different perspective that I've never had. And I know that's from a fitness lens. I actually had a friend who was working for an airline at the time um, throughout COVID and in marketing. And so I remember saying to her, how do you navigate this? Yeah, that's such an interesting one. Yeah. And she said, it is so difficult, probably the most difficult thing I've done in my career because we can't sell the dream anymore. Yeah. Because the dream isn't there. Yeah. And when it comes back, it's going to look really different. And so we've got to work out how to market this airline without selling the dream, which is what airlines and, and every industry was yeah. doing. So, yeah, very. it's a very cool thing to witness. And I think you can see it through Instagram too. The photo dumps, suddenly photos were unedited. Yeah. This aesthetic for people was coming back without makeup and just being raw and real no filter. And Instagram, obviously, fed into TikTok and they all show it. But you can see it in businesses for sure now that yeah. business owners, I think, now more than ever is the rise of the personal brand. They're realizing how much the face behind the business makes people either buy or walk away.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think even from the fitness lens, um, we've seen sort of the again, that like aspirational sort of like fast paced edit, like low exposure. I mean, that's still definitely there. But then even over the last 12 months, I feel like there's, and I've participated in this a lot as well. There's been like a rise of sort of the mic'd up content and you get this like deep dive into how someone actually experiences the workout. And you've got like people grunting me like, oh, no oh, do yeah. here," And like cracking jokes and stuff like that. So you get a real like deep dive lens into people's experiences and people's workout, as opposed to like, do this, do this, do this, and you'll look like me or like eat this and you'll, you know, look like me. People are really interested in the human behind the brand, as you said, and that sort of personal brand brand. Um, I guess like marketing approach and so we've touched on it a little bit but how would you say that that like storytelling approach or you know emphasizing the personal brand and the identity side of things looks different to I guess like a flat out selling or telling approach when it comes to social media?
1: I would probably say if you're on social media and I'm going to just use Instagram as the example because that's what I predominantly use and where I connect with you, I think on Instagram, if you're going to take the approach of doing like a hard sell from a marketing perspective, there's no there's no hard and fast rule that things like that don't work, right? It's all going to come back to how your audience relates to you, how the people who are actually because at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of people in your audience who are choosing to be there, choosing to consume your content because they feel like you are there with something to offer them, whether that's an emotional connection, whether that's entertainment, whether that's an actual product, whatever it is. So if you're going to hard sell to them and they're not responding, then great, you have data collection that that doesn't work. But yeah. for a lot of people, I know a lot of people who built up personal brands at the point now, they can rock up and, and actually do a hard sell. Yeah, but behind the scenes or not even behind the scenes, on the scenes was the years or at least countless, countless hours of building the trust, the likability, the, the no factor for mm-hmm. their audience. So that's where the storytelling comes in. So I think you've really got to lay the groundwork. You know, I was speaking to someone who is, I've worked with a lot of personal trainers before and people in the fitness industry. And they said, oh, I don't know if I should make a separate account for, you know, when I post stuff about me going away and doing trips and all this stuff, and then leave mm-hmm. my PT staff with PT. And my perspective was people know the the value you bring to them as a PT and obviously you want to keep it relevant on your Instagram, but if you can find ways to weave in these stories and these experiences about what you do in a way that relates to your work, you then hit the jackpot. It's like the golden Mm -hmm. cross because people want to see that you're living the your life and that you have interesting things to say and that you have unique perspectives. Mm -hmm. But they also, you know, follow you for this content or whatever it might be so if you can find a way to intersect the storytelling with what you do then once you've laid the groundwork you you probably can just show up and, and sell because people do know you they do trust you
0: yeah I love that sort of doing a bit of a whether it's 50 50 or 70 30 or whatever it is um I think you're so right that people are choosing to be there So often they are happy to be sold to, but in order to actually buy, they need to have that like, no trust. And that's where that storytelling and that's when that sort of personal branding comes into it. And yeah, that's definitely a common question that I hear or talk about with other coaches and stuff like that is like, how much personal information do I want to share or like how much of my personal life do I bring in without it looking like unprofessional or doing those two separate accounts with personal life versus the business account. And I think that seems to be the common consensus is if you can link the two and make it relevant, people love it. I mean, even as a consumer, like I'm so nosy, like I want to know <laughs> what other people are doing. Know. And you think um, oh, the way you consume. Yeah, exactly. And I think even in my own experience, The content that has always performed the best has been the content that I'm like being the most sort of like raw and real or whatever. And it doesn't have to be like in an emotional sense necessarily. It's been sort of the ones where I show up and I'm in like makeup, being like, all right, I'm going out to drinks with the girls. Like, this is just a reminder that that is okay. Like, just because I post fitness stuff doesn't mean that I can't have a night out. And people love that because again it's that sort of relatability they see themselves in you and it's not just like oh this fitness person is on a pedestal and i yeah like it depends obviously i think on the messaging and on your brand and the services that you provide like maybe if you are a you know a big bodybuilder coach and your message is like hustle grind like eat clean whatever it is but if you're messaging or your branding or your I guess ethos is balance, show balance.
1: Fully agree. The messaging piece is really cool because I, that's why I'm so passionate about being clear on yeah. your messaging, because you have these messaging pillars that hold up your brand and they get to be different. They get to, some get to be lifestyle, some get to be, you know, obviously what your business is about. Like I know for me, I work in corporate marketing as well mm-hmm. for a university and absolutely love it. It's, such an incredible like, opportunity to learn more, to specialize deeper, to become even more solidified in what I do. And for a long time, I didn't really share it. And then I, when I decided to start sharing it, I had DMs from people saying, oh, I actually work in corporate too. And I have a business and I would love to chat to you about this and this or whatever it might be. And that really organic connection I was able to make just by being genuine but doing it in a way oh you have a sorry so <laughs> a cat just walked across oh, the screen you oh, have a cat too I, I love you <laughs> um, but yeah and, and being able to create that genuine connection is is something where now when I sell and I do show up I'm not having to lay as much groundwork because I'm I'm not afraid to also show my life and I know when you're talking about your best performing posts or stories, it's really cool that you mention, you know, you going out and then tying that back to what you do being something that will perform really well. Yeah. For your brand and for your message and your sort of mission, because I know for me when I have shared content, you know, when you're starting Instagram and I've shared, I've worked with best tone of voice specialists and these are my degrees and these are all the courses I've done, all the certificates, and that's great and people appreciated it. But what they actually really love to see was like, oh, cool. This is Emma in her everyday life. This is her actual work that she produces. This is what she's doing afterward. This is um, an insight she has about the marketing industry from her own perspective, whatever it might be. Yeah,
0: definitely. definitely. And you talk about sort of these different content pillars for businesses and for their brands. How do you think, or when you work with clients, how do you help them figure out what their pillars might be so that they can hit those different talking points
1: yeah so I like to call them messaging pillars and the reason is because content is pretty volatile like you can wake up one day and be in a mood to do reels for a week and then something else and I don't really think alternating different pillars necessarily makes sense with social media right now I think it's a lot more organic than um than we used to treat it For me, the messaging pillar, so if I sit down with a client, if we say I was sitting down with someone who was in the fitness industry, I would, we go through a pretty long process to dive into what their values are, what their mission is, why they do what they do, who they're helping, all of those things. And then once you've really got a clear picture as to all those, you know, the what, the why, the who, and and how they want to serve them. We create, you know, three to four messaging pillars. And what they are are different touch points you can keep returning back to in your messaging that keeps your messaging um, consistent. It keeps your vision at the forefront of what you do. It's kind of a bit of a guiding star. Um, And I know for me, I have my messaging pillars, which are to speak about storytelling, to speak about marketing, to speak about copywriting, to speak about, um, you know, connection-led, business but I also have my my sort of lifestyle pillars that I bring into that so I've got my cats I've got my friends my normal life so I like to the messaging pillars are really cool because they keep my mission at the forefront and then the lifestyle pillars really bring my personal brand into it
0: yeah no I think that's so helpful and like so and you're saying that you sort of base those on your all your clients base those on their values initially and then sort of go from there, or are they sort of deep diving into, okay, what do I really want to achieve with my business? Because I think sometimes it's very easy when you are trying to focus a lot more on the personal brand. And even I've found this a little bit that you go more down that, I guess, like influencery route of just like fully sharing your life. And sometimes you lose track of oh, no, I'm trying to run a business. I need to link it back to messages.
1: Oh, exactly. Okay, so that's sort of, I know we sort of touched on that before, but that's exactly why the messaging and the are so important because if you just said lifestyle beliefs, if I was just talking about my cats <laughs> and going out and to eat for a nice dinner and, you know, yoga or whatever else I like, yeah. that's great. I then become an influencer. I then become someone's friend and I lose the authority. I lose the, the power of the authority. And I really think to be a leader, you need to have a beautiful combination of being an influencer and being an authority. And when you combine those things, you're able to be a leader in your space. So to answer your question, I, I would say with, when we sit down to do this type of work, basically getting really clear on what your values are in your business so this could be your value is honesty transparency passion whatever it might be get really clear on what those values are usually there's four or five that would come up as four values from there get really clear on okay why do I do what I do who do I do it for once you have the answer to those questions and you can go really deep into them this is just yeah. Sort of the, the general scaffold and once you're clear on who you're serving why you serve them and what guides you to serve them so your mission you're able to then look and say okay well, how can I create these into three to four messaging builders and so an example the reason that mine became you know storytelling was because a massive value of mine is to be connected yeah. and another really big value is to be um Heartland. so combining those I thought okay and then I'm here to help people tell their story all right naturally a pillar for me is going to be storytelling that makes sense so on so forth so if you're in the fitness industry your pillars could be something about you know a balanced lifestyle and that's when you're passionate about it. it could be something to do with you know eating to see all your body a third one could be something like you know more holistic health like looking at health just beyond the gym beyond food and then your fourth pillar is whatever you choose and that's really cool because then when you're creating content you're creating courses programs whatever you're doing as a business owner you can have those guiding you and you mm-hmm. can see where you speak about one more than the other how you can integrate them bring more than one in and do it like that
0: yeah definitely and even just seeing what your audience responds to the most, like if they respond more towards the, you know, holistic approach to health, or if they do respond more to like the exercise or like educational based content or, you know, whatever it is, I think that's yeah, super helpful. Even from like a if we're looking at marketing and copywriting and whatnot, even from just like a business analytical perspective, it helps you to sort of zoom out and be like, okay, well, actually what's working as opposed to zooming in on more of that kind of connection creativity piece as well absolutely yeah no definitely I think it's been interesting watching I guess the social media landscape and the coaching landscape because I think as we've talked about you've got the slightly you know two different approaches you've got the more um, I guess like aspirational approach and then you've got the more I guess relatable, especially in the health space, like relatable, holistic, you know, that kind of approach. And both I think definitely work. And you can incorporate the storytelling and whatnot into both. Um, And what I love about what you said in terms of deciphering your values and deciphering who you are or what who you want to be as a coach and who your audience is, I think is so important because you can't communicate First of all, you can't communicate to everybody. You kind of do need to niche down in order for your content and your storytelling to be impactful because you need to know who you're telling a story to. Um, So I think that's another point that's sort of good to touch on is trying to take the time to figure out who your audience is or who you want it to be if it's not currently the people that you've got because then from there you can decipher the kind of content that you want to create.
1: That's a. I really love that point about working out who your audience is because ideal clients or however you want to label them Mm. in marketing is interesting. I think that it causes a lot of back and forth with people. Some people really believe in it. Some people don't. I, you know, coming off the back of what you said, I believe getting clear about who you serve is just fundamentally important. It just has to be something that you're aware of. However, what I believe and what I've seen in my clients is taking a different approach to just using the traditional ideal client avatar framework, mm-hmm. which is saying, well, my ideal client, and I'm sure the fitness industry, you, everyone listening who is in this industry would be very well-versed. My ideal client is busy moms who are unable to balance X, Y, Z and are in their 30s to 40s, you know, et cetera. And I guess if... Yes, I would say in some ways that would be helpful if I'm running maybe Facebook ads, if that's really down the rabbit hole that I'm going. However, if we're talking from like showing up on Instagram, I'm connecting with people authentically, the way that I like to help my clients find out who they serve, when you've created your values, often business is a mirror, I believe, Mm -hmm. and the values and the mission that you have is often reflected in the people that you help. Like you will often find like meets like, So when I look at my values, I say, okay, great. Actually, these are the kind of ideal values I would love for my clients to have. I would love to help people who are also are led, who also are passionate, who also love connection and value that. And my sort of niche or ideal client becomes, well, I help women, entrepreneurial women who are passionate about what they do, who are heart led, who believe that connection is at the focus of their business, et cetera, et cetera. So it becomes a lot less about the tent, like she's this age, does this for a job. And it's more, well, this is the kind of human that I'm going to call in. She could be any age. She could be any type of business, mostly service-based businesses. I do specify that. But besides that, she could live anywhere in the world. She could have kids. She couldn't, Yeah, I don't care. But I know who she is at her heart and that's who I speak to.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And that's definitely something we talk a little bit about on the podcast quite regularly is, I think especially for fitness and coaching spaces, we typically, whether we realize it or not, gravitate towards clients that are us, but maybe like five years earlier or whatever it is, or like us when we first started getting into the fitness industry. So whether it was like in my case, someone who was just a complete newbie and didn't know what they were doing and like wanted to learn and was really keen and optimistic and stuff like that, or if you know, other coaches have come from a sporting background and then want to go down that route, like route of strength and conditioning, which I think then makes the connection piece a bit easier almost because it's so, it is really relatable because you're telling people about your experiences and most likely they're the kind of people that you want to be helping anyway.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, for anyone listening to this, Marketing is fluid, right? Like you can hear all of what I'm saying or all of what we're talking about and think doesn't apply to me. It's not what I want to do. And that is so fine. So I say all of this in the sense that for most businesses, most service providers, this is naturally the way that, as you were saying, that things will progress. You do want to help people who are, you know, three to five steps behind you. Yeah. Or that couple of years behind where you were because you know how to speak to them. And that's why your values and getting so clear on, you know who you are as a business owner and and what you stand for and your mission is important because it will be mirrored in the clients that you are talking to and mm-hmm. there's nothing more powerful, in my opinion, is making content that I needed to hear, yeah. three years ago, that I needed to hear four or five years ago, a year ago, six months ago. It doesn't even matter the timeline. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think um, I think being unrelatable is is interesting in, in this sense, because your ideal clients do have something to cool. as I should say, have something to aspire to, but at the same time, nothing will beat the feeling of feeling seen and heard and understood. And as a service provider, if you can, you know, whether you're a PT, owner, a copywriter or whatever, you can balance and find that of making people feel seen and heard, you've hit the jackpot in terms of connection.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And as you said, if, you know, listening to this conversation, if it's all feeling like a little bit overwhelming, there are also people that you can outsource to, like yourself um, and other, you know, marketing, social media specialists and stuff like that. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do, plug your business to, to wrap this episode up?
1: That's a really good point. Something I'm really passionate about saying is I don't believe that marketing and storytelling and messaging needs to be overly complicated. And I don't think it needs to be something that feels overwhelming. But I understand that people are busy and not everyone has the time to do it. So what I like to say is I kind of offer, it's a bit, marketing is a bit of an umbrella, right? And you study comms, so I'm sure you're well aware. And under that umbrella, you have like, 100 things so what I specialize in is copywriting and it's not the legal copywriting although I have been asked so I'm not helping with trademarks but what I do is basically you have a ton of ideas as a business owner you're thinking you want to write a website you probably have a sales page you want to write whatever it might be but when it comes to taking your ideas and putting them into words that actually sell that actually make an impact it's a bit of a disconnect could be a time thing could be that your specialty is just helping people in the gym yeah. or what, doing what you do best. So I actually help you get really clear on what you want to say. And then I put it into words for you that are clearly and, and, and psychologically positioned to sell and make an impact and speak to your ideal client. So anything from emails to websites, I write literally anything. The other side of it is I help a lot with messaging and storytelling, which is what we've been speaking about. So if you want to get more clear on your messaging, I do these really incredible messaging clarity sessions. They're my favorite thing to run. And they were born out of this desire that people had when they were coming to me to get clear on their values, their mission, their tone of voice, who they were speaking to, so that they could go shop in their socials and they could speak with that level of confidence. So that's really beautiful. And I also am starting to run more programs. So I just wrapped up a mini mastermind for two weeks on messaging, Mm -hmm. how to get really clear in your message. And that was just incredible with eight ladies inside. And I will be having more masterclasses and programs. So depending if you want to learn how to be a better writer yourself and how to be more clear, or you want to outsource it because you're just a very busy CEO and it makes more sense. I do both.
0: Amazing. And where can people find you if they do want any of those services?
1: So Instagram would probably be the main place right now. Mm -hmm. So if you go to this is Emma Jane, you'll see me, you'll probably see my cats. Mm -hmm. I have two orange cats or rescues. (laughs) Um, And I like to share, share parts of my life. So you can find me there. Otherwise, I'm dabbling in LinkedIn. I'm getting there. I do enjoy it. I'm a writer at heart. So yeah. Get more space to just speak my mind.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: find me on LinkedIn under Emma Jane. Okay.
0: Okay, perfect. And I will have both of those linked in the show notes. So if yeah, if you are wanting to have a bit of a brainstorming strategy session and figure out how you can up level your um content and your messaging and your strategy, or if you're wanting to outsource, because I, I know, you know, a lot of Coaches and personal trainers, depending if they're in the online space or on the floor, we're all a bit time poor. And as we've talked about, everyone's allowed to have different zones of genius. And I think, I think marketing and social media isn't everybody's, which is so fine. So outsourcing is also an amazing option.
1: I'm just a freak that likes it. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But I think as we've said, and hopefully people can hear from this episode, it doesn't have to be this super overwhelming thing. It can be you sharing what you're doing, what you're passionate about, and people love that and connect with that.
1: Absolutely. And on a parting note is marketing really is just getting eyes onto your mm-hmm. magic and what you're trying to share and your mission. That's all it is. You know, it's getting more visibility to getting more people impacted by what you do. It's it's a beautiful thing. And it definitely doesn't need to be overwhelming and people selling you hundreds of thousands of different perspectives and, and all of the things. It just gets to be your sharing your story and people, the right people get to hear it.
0: Yeah, amazing. I think that is the perfect place to end this episode. So thank you everybody so much for listening to this week's episode of the AWPT podcast. I will be in your ears next week. listening to the awpt podcast if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to share it with your friends and fellow coaches and subscribe for weekly episodes and content